Welcome to This Is Your Afterlife, conversations with artists and activists about death and life. My name is Dave Marr. I'm a comedian who lives in Chicago. I survived a month-long coma, and I woke up with questions, and that's the podcast. My guest this week is Kat Huck, member of the neo-futurist ensemble. You can add this to the the collection of, I need to make a playlist or something, of the neo-futurists I've had on the show. Some off the top of my head recently, it was Joanna Jamerson, Connor, Shoshita Pickett, uh, Kurt Chang. Who am I forget? I am I forgetting anyone? Oh, Jasmine, Henry Jordan. I think I think that might be it. But anyway, go back and listen to those episodes if you want. The Neo Futurists are a very important theater, experimental theater group to me. One of the greatest things about living in Chicago. Literally my favorite form of entertainment, live or otherwise, the, the, the number one. And Kat wrote a couple of two-minute plays in their show, The Infinite Wrench, which you should go see. Links are in the show notes. Also link to Kat's Instagram in the show notes. But the two plays, one, the title is Hold. Two, I don't remember the title but it, we're, we're referring to it as mole rats or naked mole rats. It's a play where she's recreating a chant she and a bunch of buddies did on the playground as kids. And they're all saying, we are the naked mole rats. Come join the mole rats. That's when, when I say mole rats, that's what I'm referring to. Hold is a play where she is being pulled off the stage as she delivers a monologue about her dead friend, Ben who we talk about a lot in this episode. As you'll hear, this episode basically goes backwards because in the process of talking, it just naturally came up that we were talking about Kat's coma moment and I decided we could just go backwards through the usual questions. So that is this episode. It's a real it's a real classic. This, this is a fucking right down the middle, both of us figuring some shit out, talking about death and grief episode. Also, there's some mention of suicide stuff, so so know that. Also know that what I would love to do more than anything is this show full-time. And the way to do that, to help me do that, the best is to become an afterhead at patreon.com slash davemar. You can do it for just five bucks a month, and you get awesome bonus audio like the after shows I do with Meg Strickland and Claire Favorite. I'm trying to do at least one of those a month. The Afterlife Movie Club is going to get way more busy. It's going to ramp up. It's going to ramp up. So you can hear all those. And for pretty much every episode, there's like an extra half hour of conversation. Those people who are afterheads get to hear that. So please join the Patreon. At the $15 a month level are the Pigeon subscribers. They are the aforementioned Kurt Chang, Katie Llewellyn, Susie Carroll, Fred Fidoa, Debo, Shuba Singh, and John Lee. Thank you very much to them. You can also support the show by just taking a second to subscribe or rate it. You can take a minute to leave a review, or you can sit down and take an hour to recite to your friend your very favorite episode. All of those help me very much. I'm an independent artist. I rely on word of mouth to grow. But no matter what, thank you so much for listening. And here is my conversation 
with Cat Huck. I grab your whip and take it back to Chi-Town. When I'm in Chi-Town, I treat okay. like Hold is the play. Mm, yeah, yeah. The title of the play, right? Mm-hmm. So, <sighs> how do I want to do it? Is it and 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 as with anything, to whatever mm-hmm. extent you're um, mm-hmm. comfortable, we do, we don't need to go. This doesn't need to be fucking trauma therapy if you don't. Oh yeah, yeah, you know yeah, yeah, I mean? yeah, um, for sure. But. I just loved it, man. And I and Thank I you. and the the again, such a perfect combination of well, not title to play, but although title as well, but the like mm. the the action with mm-hmm. the text was so literally mm. you being like pulled out struggling to not be pulled out of a room while delivering mm. this monologue about your friend who died and about how you're feeling the freedom i guess to believe mm-hmm. whatever you want to believe yeah um yeah just fucking hit me so thanks and you said at when i when i told you that after the show when i first saw it you said mm-hmm. it was well is, is that the grief that you're still reeling in for sure for sure so yeah yeah we can i have no probs talking about it Okay. I think it's like important that I talk about it. So the so the death is my friend Ben died about a year ago, and it was a uh, it was an undetected genetic heart mutation, and so it was immediate. Um, and the the real the real tough stuff about it was we had dated in college, so I guess you know we were in college like 2013. I think it's when we were dating 2013 2014. We both realized we want different things. He's a real outdoor bro. Never really had a home. Um, kind of like living around the world out of vans kind of vibe. And I wanted to, you know, pursue this. So I moved to Chicago over the course of five, six years, right? We're in and out of each other's lives. We both date different people. Um, but a good friendship, right? Yeah. And then in November of 2021, last Thanksgiving, would that be it? He came to see me and we kind of had like a a gentle get back together. Like it was like, oh, this is finally the timing feels right. And also had just like, you know, not so deadly committed to your own personal like, or, you know, I'm like willing to let my life move based on love as opposed yep. to in 2014 when I'm like, oh, give anything for art. So kind of had that. And then. And it's all loose, man. It's not like we had set in stone that we were in love or dating. It was just like we had this like loose getting back together when he came and saw me. And then I had a trip planned for uh, like I was supposed to fly to him the Monday after he died. Um, So it was like that's I mean, no one else knew about it. And I couldn't even tell you like if Ben were alive, if I were like Ben, were we getting back together? I think he would be like, yeah, you know, but we Mm -hmm. never named it. Right. Yeah. So I, I think. So that whole piece and this grief and all of that, um, all motivated by that particular death. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and so in the piece, you have that you have that moment. I think it starts with that moment where the little kid, the the sort of like not old wives' tale, but like the, yeah. the story about the kid, the the sort of young kid talking to the newborn about you know 
where where were you? I'm starting to forget. The idea yeah. of yeah. So- of basically of something of something. Capital yeah. S something, which totally. is the shit that fucks me up. Like that's if it, it, I, I despite having done this for as many times as I've done this show, mm-hmm. I don't have a lot of like hard and fast like beliefs, you know? Yeah. But yeah. capital S something comes close. And it sounds yeah. like that's the ballpark. You you were you in it before, or you just like dipped in and out of it? And to what extent? Okay, I'm throwing a lot at you, but to what extent <laughs> was like Ben dying and you grieving, thinking about your life, thinking about life itself? Mm-hmm. Um, to what extent was? To what extent were you? committed no 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 oh my god okay so you're fine (laughs) (laughs) what the thing you describe in the play Mm -hmm. could be a very intellectual realization Mm -hmm. that that might have trouble trickling down into your actual feelings beliefs daily actions Mm -hmm. is that true or is it something that you've really like felt and lived into yeah, cool question. I think it was floating around beforehand. I think like I was religious growing up. I was like Catholic and Methodist. Mm. And then in college kind of had a falling out or you know like got really mad at organized religion. Um Why? What's the what's the problem with organized religion? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Just a few things. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but I think like got mad in a way where um just got mad. And yeah. and also tied that to, you know, getting mad at my parents and all of this stuff. And then kind of, like, started reading more, but also, like, was interested in spirituality. Like, it's like, okay, I want to get rid of this organized religion thing, but I also feel weird if I just shut my life down to uh, not poking my head at, like, soul stuff, afterlife stuff. Like, I'm allowed to think in that region. Mm-hmm. And I think sometimes when you think in that region and you don't have... Like, a lot of the stuff I say in that play, you know, or it's, like, I always fear I'll sound a little bit too organized religion-y if I talk about afterlife stuff or if, you know, now in moments if I see something that I believe is a message, could be a message from Ben, if I want to interpret it like that, um, suddenly I feel like I have to, like, defend God. I don't know if that's how I want to say that. Yeah, extreme embarrassment and shame. And I think in Ben's death, I'm a little bit just like, oh, I don't care. I don't care what anyone thinks because and, – and usually I'll find like some of my dearest friends now are people who have gone through death in, in a way that like we can all understand each other. And we all think very differently about it and everyone's like super peaceful about it. Like no one's fighting or no one's like, oh, I can't believe you think that thing, you know? Um, so you've seen your relationships change since early 2021. Big time. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Or wait, no, 2020, early 2022. Yeah, yeah. Since his death, I've like, yeah, I mean, for one thing, it's just like you go into a little shell. Mm-hmm. I feel really, you know, it's like you're meeting a whole new version of yourself. So then it's like you are a complete, you're the same person, but you're the completely different person. So then a lot of my old friendships 
I've felt disconnected with because there's not that, um, I don't even know how to say it. It's not like I became higher. It's not like I got smarter. I think it's just like I'm spiritually at a different mode right now. Yeah. And uh, and so I've been really comforted by friends who have gone through extreme grief who can kind of just like sit in it with me and don't fear it. Um, and I think a lot of those friendships that I have maybe separated myself with are going to come back around here in the next few years. But I think this year I just kind of have like stepped away more than I ever have just to kind of like, there's this, I need to send you this thing. There's this guy, uh, there's this stand up who lost a kid, I don't know, four or five years ago. And he and his wife wrote a book and he was doing this interview that another, a, a mutual grief friend sent me. And he was just like, we felt like we had to write this book before we could like come back and start talking to our friends again. Like they're ha- like you feel like on a different planet and then you're like trying to come back and interact in the normal world and be like, yeah, the Neo show or like, right. you know, like me saying I want to get into stand up. Like I tried writing stand up last week and I was like, this is hell <laughs> you know, yeah. like to choose to laugh. <laughs> like, sure. um, so, yes, friendships have kind of shifted just as I've been poking around was it just a sort of culling of existing friendships down to a tighter circle or did you find new people who'd had these experiences that got kind of added to the circle a little bit of both a few friends who had lost parents um in a in a real quick way i was able to like it was cool because i was able to connect with them and be like i was not there for you how i was supposed to be there for you and um Mm. a dear friend of mine she was just like you know what you would have never known how to be there if you hadn't experienced this. And so, so like those, and then a few people I've like met in the past year who like one friend in particular, they've had just a immense amount of grief in their life. And they've been like a really, um, yeah, just beautiful presence to be around because they've got that piece. Um, yeah. Yeah. The first friend, I mean, it feels like I've been through waves of, Mm. um, understanding and like equanimity and sort of Zen, like everyone's just going through their own journey is on their own, whatever versus like really holding on to like resentments and being like, Mm. no, fuck you. You shouldn't like, you should know this. You should not be a fucking weirdo. You should not make this about you. Blah, blah, blah. Um, and, and I, I didn't, maybe I am just not as spiritually evolved as some people, but I did not, (laughs) land at like there was there was a period when people would ask me about like eulogies and was like mm-hmm. you know which were the stupid like was anyone kind of like bogus or like trying to like you know post a eulogy for clout and the and this is still the ultimate truth but mm-hmm. the i the thing that i said initially was like man all of them were fine like the worst people just wanted to belong. They just saw people post yeah. eulogies. So they thought they'd post like one. No one pretended to be my friend really when they weren't, you know, yeah. they just posted a weird kind of unrelated memory and that's ultimately fine. But then <laughs> a year, three years, what? Eight years later now, I'm like, you know, a lot of people really fucking disappeared from my life. Uh, a lot of people didn't keep showing up after and like i get it okay maybe yeah you know uh three 
two and a half, three years after I go into a coma, I go into treatment for suicidal depression. That's a that's mm. a high maintenance friend. You know what I mean? Maybe sure, you don't. Sure. Maybe that's too much. But it just so the, it being a mm. sort of the the first friend you described being like so understanding and like you couldn't have mm-hmm. known how to show up. Um, mm-hmm. It just have have you? Where are you at in that at the moment? In uh... in people's reactions to you and your understanding of. Oh, that. Yeah, I think I'm just like. I don't know if I'm better or if I'm more cynical. I don't know if I'm yeah. like, and I think I'm in the phase where I kind of have to. Now's the hard grief stuff. The first, I mean, not that the first phase of grief was easy, but I'm just like, you're just so bogged down by it that it's hard. I mean, you just kind of got to do. I mean, it's much like high high functioning depression where you're just like, okay, dude, we're going to get up. We're going to brush our teeth. We're going to go on a walk. Like I get like that in like depression phases and, and grief is very much like it was just like, let's just get up. I think now I'm in this new chapter of it where like I had a friend complaining about an ex the other day. Um, and like something they had posted to their Instagram story and it was like really upsetting to them. And I had a really terrible time being kind during that moment Mm because i was just like oh so your ex is alive (laughs) that's the the thing i want to be like i'm just like oh that's cool they're alive and they posted something in their story that really sucks that you have to do you know it's like so i think now i'm entering this new phase where i'm like you have to choose love or you can choose grief and be um way i I get to choose grief at times but i also have to learn how to choose love through it because i think i'm at a point where i'm like some of my I can't just hold on to, I don't know if I can. You kind of got to break out of it. You know, it's like I, I get to grieve, but I also, I was talking to my grandma the other day and my grandpa died like two years ago and she's been like a great source of like love during this. And she kind of had her first moment of like, she's like, I know it's awful, but you can't be in this forever. You know, she's like, and I know you know that, but, and I was like, damn it, grandma. Did you hear me say dang man? Yeah, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. I can't, I can't, be, I never know if I can cuss on podcasts and then I just like skirt around it. Really? Um, what, what, what official sorts of podcasts have I don't you been know. on that this aren't allowing be on people to curse? <laughs> God, what a dark timeline of Nickelodeon that would be. Oh man, totally. Yeah, just bring, <laughs> they should just bring on. Two millennials talking yeah. about death to Nickelodeon. Hey, kids. Just like once a year. Yeah. Mr. Rogers without any of the like charm or sugarcoating. <laughs> so, okay. Is your th- – this I, – I do want to ask more, a little bit more about the spiritual stuff because what I just mm, realized yeah. is I think we've started the podcast backwards a little bit. Okay. Like tell okay. me if I'm wrong that this would have been your answer to what's your coma. Oh, yeah. De- ben death equals coma. For okay. sure. sure. Yeah, yeah. Um, which is, um, you know, for anyone who happens to be listening for the first time, a moment of transformation where before you're one version of yourself, after you're another. So, cool. I figured. I guess mm-hmm. I'm wondering in terms of what changed spiritually, other than being more unapologetic about mm-hmm. spiritual stuff, are there specific mm-hmm. spiritual beliefs or practices mm. that you've latched on to now that you didn't have before? 
Yeah. I think my interpretation of God has morphed. And I think my interpretation of like love, uh, I think the, the trippiest thing that's happened for me is it's like, there's, there's a big question in, and I feel like I'm in good company. Suicide's not a scary word. It's sure. just a, a thing. And I think, you know, in the wake of Ben's death, I was like, what's the, really, what's the point? It's like, man, I just fell back in love with, you know, like we had this beautiful eight year arc of a love story mm-hmm. and then we find each other and then he dies. And I was just like, fuck this, <laughs> you know, like absolutely not. So I think there was this choice of, okay, I can go down that rabbit hole and I don't know where it's going to lead. And I don't know if I'm going to be alive on the other side of it, like literally or metaphorically. Right. And the other response that I, I got like a, like in the first few weeks, a lot of really trippy things happened where I do just, I just believe that like Ben was communicating and I don't know if it's, I don't know if it's in the hangover of death that you get that, but either and either I was just awakening to them. Maybe I'm I'm receiving the same messages right now and I'm just like not awake to them. Mm. But there was a lot of them. And one of the messages was uh love is bigger, which at its like saying it now, I'm like, God, that's cheesy. But it meant so much to me then. Cause I was just like, how do I keep like, so I'm, you know, 28 at the time of his death and I'm expected to like have another partner. Like, how am I supposed to be able to like date or anything like that? And I got like that message. So kind of going back to like the suicide portion of this is it's like, I could either Ben is dead and my life is forever changed and I will never receive that type of love again or I have to believe his love lies in a stranger. Like I have to believe his love lies within you or within the bartender or like it has to be. That's how I receive it now through, through those experiences with other spirits and, and, you know, and like a new partner or a new friendship, I think. So I think like (laughs) spiritually how it's changed is I'm like, Ben has to be everywhere and death is everywhere and love is everywhere. Like everything is just like kind of one playing field right now. And kind of that, like a um, love within all of us, like serves the definition of God in my mind. And I don't know. I think that's where I'm at right now. Whereas before his death, I, I don't really know what I thought. I think I thought God was like, spiritual power and then us mm-hmm. and i think since his death it's like here i think that's maybe what i want to say on the same <laughs> level is a yeah yeah is a connective thread as opposed to a rung above us on a ladder totally yeah we are okay. all god kind of thing right yeah yeah what's an example of a a sign or a message mm-hmm. Like, like physically, tangibly, mm. what were, th- what were those other than, yeah. or maybe they were just like, you're walking one day and you feel something bubbling up inside you. But is there any like super concrete version of those that you have? Yeah. That I, I think could be poked at, which is like so funny. The first one was about a week after he died. I was uh, crying, believe it or not. <laughs> I was it was a pretty late night and I was just like, I remember like fetal position crying and like, there's just, there's some real dramatic stuff that happens in those, those like few weeks after. And I was like physically just like, why, you know, 
just like saying it out to who knows who. And Chicago happened. Now, I don't know if you remember this. We had a crazy thunderstorm and there was like really loud thunder. Okay. And there was like at, at my worst why there was this like huge clap of thunder. And then just like a kind of like like a weighted blanket of peace. Right. And I just chilled and I just like listened to the rain. I listened to thunder. So that's one that isn't too strong as I say it out loud. But that's when I really go back to. No, no, no. But I don't. And I want I want to give you permission. Not like I know you've established that you are a critical, analytical enough person that. And trust me that no one's listening to the the afterlife podcast from the coma comedian, like really going in <laughs> trying to fucking be a Richard Dawkins about totally or something. Totally. But also that like like let's just assume mm-hmm. all this shit is a hundred percent that the thing you want it to be, the thing you interpreted it at the time mm-hmm. is completely true. You know, yeah. All premises have been made. We understand that. But okay, so was the answer then? So, so it the language then wasn't English. It wasn't an Mm, answer mm. to why. It was just why. Boom, and that's yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah. And I think like that was like love is bigger night. Like I kind of got some sense of that. And then another one was like a few weeks after that. Um, I, I used to live right next to, I can't even, I don't even know what graveyard it is. Cemetery it is. Rose Hill, I think. And, you Across know, another Village pretty. Drift? Yes. That's where, that's like right where I live. No way. We're very, and Hannah's apartment's really close. Too. Yeah. How close yeah. are you to Bethany retirement community? Like, I'm, well, I'm at Ainsley and Ashland. Bro, I'm at Ainsley and Ravenswood. <laughs> <laughs> Great. Cool. Uh, three houses away. Incredible. I love it. Um, um, cool. Yeah. Well, the second one was, yeah, I was bad day. Uh, made myself get out of my house and started walking. And there was a, there was a balloon that was like floating. You know, there's like bricks about halfway up. And then there was a balloon that said, you're doing great. And it was float, and it still had enough helium in it. And it was walking like in front of me inside the graveyard. I'm on the sidewalk beneath it. Yeah. We follow it all the way. I'm, you know, sobbing, you know, 10 yeah. seconds into seeing it. And I'm just like, you got to be kidding me, Ben. And then I get to the point where you can, I mean, the road into the cemetery, because I was going to like turn around and grab it. It's gone. It's gone. Wow. It was, it was the coolest thing. So I think. Those two are the ones that have continued. And then, I mean, there were several that were just like smaller things that I was interpreting. Um, I mean, that story I bring up and hold. Uh, but I would say the two most balloon story and thunder story are the the biggest ones that I hold the closest, I think. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's interesting, too, that the thing that you're talking about is, and it makes sense, that it's so rooted in Ben and it's so rooted yeah. in his person because the thing i heard Hmm. you say Mm -hmm. when you talked about you didn't talk about finding love in other people you talked about finding Mm -hmm. his love in other people Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and that feels really that just feels like a really interesting framing of that yeah yeah because i think yeah that's that's interesting to uh hear that because i don't know and maybe this will change. I think right now I'm like, I don't know what stage of grief I'm in. 
I was talking about this with my grief friend the other day because we were like, you know, I'm thinking about writing a grief show, right? And it's just like, man, is I don't know if it's acceptance. I mean, like, have I even accepted it if I'm trying to find his love elsewhere? Uh, who knows? But yeah, right now it is I'm trying to find his love in other people, not necessarily their love. <laughs> <laughs> sure. <laughs> or <know>? like, <laughs> or even like an overarching spirit of love still mm. sounds like yeah, yeah. the spirit is his spirit as opposed to like the great spirit. Totally. Yeah, yeah. Definitely yeah. in his spirit mode. Mm-hmm. Also, fuck the stages of grief, dude. It's uh, it's not like <laughs> it's not like a thing you go. It's like a keyboard where it's like sometimes a chord is pressed where there's multiple ones at the same time. Sometimes it's trickling yeah, yeah, up yeah. and down. You know what I mean? I don't think it's I, I don't think it's like a fucking yeah i I feel like you i could be in all of them at all times you know i was looking at that list and i was like negotiation what (laughs) yeah or go back and forth yeah 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 for sure let's move backwards all right and let me ask you okay oh boy if you had to in the afterlife relive mm-hmm. one memory um it's not that the rest are wiped it's just that there's a room basically that you get to pop into and out of whenever you want mm-hmm. um we we can we can stay on ben if you want or mm-hmm. not you know this doesn't have to be the cat as experienced through the lens of just this one grief vector totally totally episode. but no for sure if you have to relive one memory, what yeah. memory do you choose? I think <laughs> Oh, this is such a cool question. Thank you. I so I grew up on a farm. Mm-hmm. Um and, and roosters are really mean mean people. Okay. Um really was we had a couple of very protective roosters. And <laughs> protective uh, of what? Of just their livelihoods, of just like, <laughs> like we couldn't get in their space. They're chasing us, and this okay, is like, okay. you know, I've got like three siblings. We're all under the age of ten at this point. the The roosters kind of man the barn. The barn is where we need to get into to get feed for the other animals. Mm-hmm. We're the kids who have to do chores, right? And the roosters are like presenting this huge problem where it's like we try to get close to things and they chase us away. And they're these tiny little things. We're not supposed to be afraid of them. Yeah. So my brother um, got like, I have an older brother, older sister, younger brother. And he was like, we're going to go to war. And what war was, <laughs> was just like all of us going to the barn together. Like we had like buckets on our heads, you know, like just like clanging metal <laughs> pots. And we didn't even go to war. We were just making kind of a loud noise parade in order to get to the barn to get what we needed to do chores. So the, so the roosters wouldn't chase us. And I think like. I think that memory, because I remember looking at my older brother, Ian, and just being like, he's so brave. This is so <laughs> fun. And like, it's like a childhood memory that I just, I think about a lot because it was, it was so much fun. And at the time it was just like, we're taking down the roosters, even though we didn't touch them. You know, We're just like walking through their space and they're not chasing us for once. Um, well, dude, not to I think be I too do that. clever, but this is a fucking theme in your life is is mobs of people prepared yeah. for war this is yeah. naked this is naked mole rats dude 
Wow, that's so true. Is it that's not? So- and that's why I feel so awful leaving the because I'm like, oh, I don't have a group. You know what I mean? I, I've never done a me, naked I, mole rat alone. I know what you yeah. mean. Yeah, I'm. Yeah, yeah, I'm. I'm at a, a different point in that in that journey myself. But yeah, okay. So you, so your cla- What else do you remember? Anything else about your armor than the mm. buckets for helmets? I remember it was summertime, and I remember we were all wearing boots. <laughs> Like, like rain boots or like yeah, like like far muck boots up to your knees. Okay, um, I remember. It sounds like I a hot think, outfit. Yeah, it's super hot. But you know, we were at war, so yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you're ready to get trench foot if necessary. I think like maybe somebody had like a spray bottle. I mean, I I know it wasn't like that organized. It was yeah. just like. We're, we got to do it. We got to take them down. We Were can't you in a specific formation? Yeah, Ian was for sure leading. And I know there were pieces of this. I know there was like, we're going to make this noise over here. And then like, we'll catapult <laughs> this thing, this direction. <laughs> but I know it didn't It didn't go that way. You okay. know what I mean? Like, okay. I just remember like in the moment, it was just all chaos. And we were kind of together making a lot of noise. But there was a plan going in that we didn't quite follow. And... And I don't know. And I don't think like nothing really changed. I think we just all got braver. Like in the coming days, we could all go out alone and we just had to assertively walk through the chickens. Roosters don't chase you, you know, like that's all it did for us. Well, that's very metaphorically. I know. um, I know. I heard it when I said it. Uh, I heard it when I said it. (laughs) Everything's going to be okay. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) What do you hope happens when you die? Hmm. Man, oh man, oh man. I don't know. I think what I hope is, I mean, it would be awesome to meet everyone who's died. You know, like, I, of course, I hope I see Ben. But I also don't know. It's hard to hope that because it doesn't feel like what's going to happen. Why I feel not? like at most, I just think like, I, it's tough to let myself believe like the best case scenario. Best case scenario, uh, I see Ben and then we're just going on a hike. But then I'm like, wait a second. What about all the other people that I knew in the life before? You know, it's like, I think, yeah, ideally I'd fall into the next life. I'm just going on a long hike with Ben. Like that's, I guess, but that, I think the problem with that one is it feels contained by time. I'm like, what? So we just hike for millions and millions of, you know, to me, death actually, what I hope, happens is it's like time ceases to exist and there's just like some sense of peace and of love and like great understanding like that kind of feels what potentially could come and then another part of me thinks i'm just gonna fall into another birth um like i was reading this thing by uh oh, i'm reading polishing the mirror by ramdas and there was some writer he referred to who was like you don't remember your death or your birth and I was like, man, is that it? Like, I'm not just, I'm just going to kind of like die. And then I'm just going to fall into another birth and not remember anything that happened. So I think what I hope a golden hike of peace, I think is what would be the, the, the thing that I would hope for. And I get to run into people along the way who I know. Okay. Yeah. That last part turned very like Mitch album book. 
Um, Wait, what? What's that? Mitch Album, who wrote Tuesdays with Maury, oh, the Five okay, People okay. You Meet in Heaven, those sort of like yeah, I know. Costco yeah, checkout yeah. line books. Yeah, yeah, I'm into um, that. <laughs> yeah, okay, and and I think you saying time ceasing to exist. Mm-hmm. I don't know why it's taken literally this long into the show. We're we're coming up on like maybe 120 episodes. This might be 120 and. No, and frequently, the thing that gets brought up about the afterlife is like, what, it's just going to be forever? Oh, it's just, that's boring. Mm. And I've accepted that at face value and been like, hey, I I know what you're saying. That is the problem of the afterlife. However, mm-hmm. in terms of hopes, I'll I'll take that problem and hope it gets resolved in a way I can't imagine. But... Mm. That, that's accepting that time exists in the in the afterlife. Forever is different than time ceasing to exist. Yeah, and you bring think- up a really good point that if time ceases to exist, then you lose the idea of getting bored with a thing that that yeah. happens in the afterlife. Yeah, maybe that's it. Maybe what I wanted to be is we're all just like in the now at all times and i feel like if we're all in the now at the same time then time ceases to exist maybe that's what i want for us like if it's just so now that we can't even we're not even worried about like forever or you know Mm -hmm, like mm -hmm. right well i mean sure and i think that's the kind of thing where the afterlife sheds life on how you live your life itself very much because that's the kind of thing i think Ideally, a lot of people are striving for here. Yeah. No, 100%. Yeah. And then the other thing, the other part of me that this, I don't think this is a very helpful road to go down, but I, there's a part of me that's not smart enough to understand that maybe if you have no, if time doesn't exist, does that mean that space can't exist? Does the existence of space require the existence of time i i i, mm-hmm, I don't know mm-hmm, just mm-hmm. just a thing because like if, you're, if you have space know. you're moving through the space and then how do you measure the movement through the space and oh yeah. yeah also to be clear like when i'm like on a hike i'm like yeah. i think that's just like my brain bits picturing i'm on a like for, to have my physical body transform into the next life feels like a lot to ask of the next life or you know to like sure like but you are invested in a continuation of consciousness. Ah, uh, no. <laughs> really? I don't know. Like, part of me wants a factory reset, and and like maybe a consciousness that is brand new. Uh, but my own, like, it's going through the ringer. I think by the time it gets to death, it'll have like. Like, good job, my friend. You know, like you get a, mm. your energy gets to blast into something new. I think it'd be sick if we had like a, actually, I don't know. I don't know. Part of me thinks like one life is like a, a complete piece. That is, that is having to like let go of the idea of seeing people that I would want to see. Hmm. Well, and how does this play with messages coming? Yeah. Uh yeah, great question. I don't know how. That's I okay. don't know how. Yeah. yeah. I think um part of me wonders if it's like 
Like if I get to, or, you know, when I, with, with me hoping it's just kind of like you like sink into this like buzzy love frequency that's complete now. Mm-hmm. And like, I'm, I'm not one, I'm part of a thing. Part of me thinks like the thing is sending messages that now contains Ben. Mm, okay. Um, okay. So I think that's, that, that's maybe where I'm at with that one. But also I'm invested in disconnect disconnections as well. Like I, right. I, I do not require someone to have a logic, very uninterested in a logically fucking completely yeah. sealed foolproof presentation of an afterlife. I, I love a, yeah. I hope this exists, but, and mm-hmm. I, and I genuinely believe this, but I don't know how that squares with this, you know, mm-hmm. like in, uh, I know in like, at least like, sort of Christian, like, apologetics, there's, like, the problem of pain. Like, I, I'm i pretty sure that's, mm. like, a C.S. Lewis book title is, like, yeah. you know, if you believe in this loving God, then the mm-hmm. big issue is pain. Why would God let X number mm. of horrible things happen? But then, uh, I th- and I don't know if this is a Christian theology formation or not, but there's also, like, the problem of pleasure, which comes from, mm. like, well, if you don't believe in an ultimate thing, how do you explain these other X, Y, Z? Which, as I'm thinking about it, I'm like, well, you can use evolution and and pleasure does seem like it would exist. But the point being, <laughs> I'm interested in these things where there's, like, a big Achilles heel, right? So, like, yeah. an infinite, amazing afterlife, but it could be boring and I don't want to yeah. resolve that. I just want to know that that's a risk and like, ugh, like that, that is more yeah. compelling to me to believe than, and the reason it wouldn't be boring is because of X and Y and blah, blah, blah. It's yeah. just like your brain slips off of a too perfect idea and it stops yeah. thinking about it. So once, you know, and it happens with grief too, is like once mm-hmm. you've come to these conclusions, you know, even once you've settled on like love is bigger. Like, Mm -hmm. there's the problem of, like, all these things being way more vivid when they're happening in your body than when you're turning them into language. Mm -hmm. Like, Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, Yeah, it all sounds like cliches, but but we know what it means when you're, like, in it and when you're, like, no, but this is coming from a lived experience of, Mm -hmm. like, love is bigger, you know? So I, like, Mm -hmm. understand what you're saying there. But then Mm -hmm. it's also, like, Mm -hmm. once you formulate it into that soundbite – then mm-hmm. what you've got is the soundbite, not the full, mm. messy, emotional experience you're mm-hmm. trying to figure out how to resolve. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. Yeah. Which I think is. Yeah. It's so funny to have to figure out, like, what I hope it is. Because. Uh... And to be clear, you have to. This is this and podcast is a requirement <laughs> of every human being. No, but it's like you say a thing out loud for like what you hope of death. And I'm just like, well, no, but that's not what I mean. Or, you know, I, I do mm-hmm. think it's like there's a lot to say of, of just like you being like, yeah, language can only get negative five percent of what you actually mean. And I think that's I mean, de- I mean, you made a whole podcast on it. Like, I think death death is just like the most fascinating thing. And. I mean, the download you know? numbers would disagree, but... Uh, okay, yeah. well, they're going to skyrocket <laughs> after this episode. <laughs> well, wait, did you get any... I mean, did you have any, like, you know, your 
seeing the light at the end of the tunnel, kind of any near-death visualizations? That was the second show, man. The second show was set in the afterlife because um, the question that people asked me more than anything was, do you remember anything? Yeah. And the real answer is like, nope. I yeah. don't remember anything. And like the the disappointment in people's faces when I said that, the disappointment I had as a as a you know a, a person who grew up evangelical and no I mm. I'm not still there, but some shit gets ingrained where it's like yeah. if you go through something like this, you know, and you live enough of your childhood in that world there's yeah. some hopes that you're going to see something or someone or yeah. anything, you know, and to not have yeah. that was just definitely um, really scary, to be honest, yes. you know, yeah. Um, for someone who is uh, – and, and I don't say it, like, glibly. I really might be less – more selfish, less evolved of a person to be like – I, I am pretty attached to like eh, it'd be pretty nice to just like ha- stick around after for for my 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 shit my brain my whatever in me is to stick around yeah. after I die you know um yeah 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 uh, you, you know the people who aren't invested in that certainly sound very together they sound very at peace <laughs> a lot of times you know and that's not the way i come off so yeah so i didn't have um yeah i didn't have that kind of uh r- yeah. realization yeah. yeah yeah i just got so polishing the mirror ramdas is talking a lot about um oh he does a lot of like time with people as they're dying and he had he's got a few cool excerpts like one in particular it's his mother and no one was admitting to her that she was dying in the hospital you know like doctors and nurses and people would come in and like kind of encourage her and then he and his mother had this beautiful moment where you know everyone had left the room and she was like what do you think is going on he was like i think you're dying mom you know and she's like thank you and then like a few hours later she died Mm -hmm. and then his stepmom had this um, instance where she was, I don't, I don't think she was in a coma. I think she was just like sleeping the majority of the time would come up and like, you know, talk to people sometimes, but Ramdas was in the room with her. um, And she asked to be sat up right before she died. And so he sat her up and they like pressed their heads together and she gave like three breaths and then she passed away. And he said, um, there's some like, I don't know if it's like specific monks specific. I can't remember like what belief system, but um, they were about how like some monk somewhere would take three breaths before they died. And like, she did this same thing in the West, you know, however, without even, he kind of spoke to that. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. So I do think I've started to read more on that kind of thing or, you know, just like, I'm really interested in like hospice stuff and you yeah. know, like what people are witnessing and how old people get and all of that. I, I've, I've, you know, suddenly think it's very fascinating. I don't think I was ever like paying attention to it beforehand. Well, it really attunes you to what doesn't get talked about. Um, yeah. you know, grief, any, any kind of grief, uh, yeah. you know, and, and, and I remember a friend's mother 
telling me um, who was familiar with my situation. And and she had some shit when she was a kid or, or not mm-hmm. a kid, a, like a younger adult, a car accident or something like that. And she was like, it ages you. Like yeah. you, you become older and you become, and you see it in people who, because I think one of the most common ones is losing parents, mm-hmm. uh, which I have not had mm-hmm. happen yet, you know, which mm-hmm. is really, uh, which is a lot, but yeah, yeah, but you, this, this not haunted, but just awareness, and certainly people there are push it. Mm-hmm. Who pu- there are people who push it away, who sure. ignore it, but. Yeah, people who even have any sensitivity to it take it into their field of being. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I mean, I found that statement to be true, that it does feel mm-hmm. like it ages you. Yeah, I do feel old. I feel really old in a way that's like, I don't think it's great right now. I think like I feel old where it's like I go to those parties and I can't even like let I'm kind of in the phase where I'm like, it's, it's tough for people to be having fun <laughs> and, um, and like, like just having free fun. I think I go to, like, I went to a new year's Eve party and really struggled with it because it was just, there's a lot of people who I know have experienced pain probably of some sort, but I was just like, God dang it. You guys are just having like fun for free. It almost felt like, and which, which also is like dumb. Cause it's just like me pretending like I'm the only human being who's experienced pain, which is kind of what grief does to you. It makes you feel like nobody else can go through it except yourself. And the reality is a bajillion people are. Um, well, that's but the I trick do think to I me have, is, yeah. do you let it close you off from people or do you let it mm. open you up to people? Because you see, I remember, um, I mean, unfortunately you see comics die and get eulogized for real online all yeah. the time and i remember yeah. last year one of them seeing a comic who was like what people don't understand about so and so is he was just my friend who owed me money and it was a very like it was a, it was meant to be sweet but it was a, the kind of eulogy where on some level the message was you people don't really understand mm. partially because mm. i'm I was closer to this person or, Mm -hmm. you know, for any other number of reasons. But what that does is it fucking, you're learning the wrong lesson there, dude. Like you're, Mm. you're, Mm. you're choosing to become exceptional when, Mm -hmm. when, when the lesson here is very clearly that like, like the, the, you know, I, I hate that my examples of this are all like mediated through, Twitter and podcasts and stuff. But I've heard <laughs> Mark Marin talk about mm-hmm. losing his partner to, to like a freak accident. And the way mm-hmm. he talks about it is like recognizing that it wasn't special. And like, mm-hmm. I think there's something mm-hmm. that the person who tweeted the eulogy is a fucking like 30 year old dude versus a 60 year old dude who's seen yeah. some shit. And it's yeah. like the right lesson is actually as painful as this is, mm-hmm. it happens to everyone. Like, yeah. and that's so hard to like take in and accept yeah. that the world is that fucking full of pain. Yeah. But if you can do that, you end, it's just, you can become such a better 
person, such a yeah. softer, kinder, you know. But it, but it's it's hard. And I, for me, I feel the desire to slip back into the hardness constantly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's the thing. Is it's like, yeah, like at that New Year's, I think. <laughs> The frustrating thing is like a New Year's Eve party will never just be a New Year's Eve party again. I will go. I will be jealous of people having fun. I will be like, no, you can have fun too. I will point at them and say that they're not going through my pain. Then I will remember that they go through pain. Mm-hmm. Like it's just like the emotional like yeah. work I'm going to have to do to get to a point where I'm like, and now I'm at a New Year's Eve party. <laughs> I think that's the part that I'm learning or or even like creating. You know, a a lot of me is like, I do not want to create anymore. I don't want to write a joke. I don't want to write a show. I don't want to be a Neo. And I'm just like, no, dude. I mean, now you have a, you have an intro of the book before you get to create that you have to go through every time. Like there's going to be a process, but you can't, you can't get stuck outside the book. Is this making sense? You can't get stuck outside the party just being like, no, I don't get to have fun anymore ever again. Yeah. Like, yeah. I think let me offer a metaphor of like starting a car, like before you drive. Yeah. All the things that you learn in driver's ed, check your yeah. mirrors, 10 and 2, put your seatbelt on, happens yeah. when you when you start, you know, three months into driving, all that shit happens in five seconds. But yeah. It is like 15 yeah. different steps you learn. Um, totally. Yeah. Good metaphor. Cool. Good metaphor. Cool. Good, good, good. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to be journaling about that one. Hell That's yeah. That's good. Good, good. <laughs> Paint your hell, Cat Paint my hell? Oh, boy. Okay. What's my hell? I think it's, um, I think I'm at a club and I'm there with a bunch of acquaintances and we are just perpetually trying to have conversation over like vodka sodas, but we can't, there's nothing like that we can click on and and we can't get closer. No matter how much we're talking, we're never going to like be friends. We're always going to be acquaintances. Um, and I think it's just that at the club, that like aloneness over and over and over again. And I think like the drinks, yeah, you're like stuck kind of wondering if you're drunk or if you're not, or if it's working or if it's not, or um, definitely wearing something that you don't feel like yourself in. Okay. So what um, is that for you? What are you wearing? Oh, I'd say like. You know, something like super femme and super small, like some like small tight dress and like, you know, heels that I might feel like myself in for five minutes, but then for like a duration. No. Sparkly. Are we going sequins? No, like leather, like just like like lilac leather, like something where you're just like, God. (laughs) Okay. Like an Ariana Grande outfit. Totally. Yeah. 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 Um, Yeah. I think that's it. I think that's it. Okay. And that happened to me not too long ago, which is why it's like so fresh. What was the, like, well, I can never. <laughs> what were they acquaintances from? That's that's the other element that I'm curious about. It was it was college, um, and it was like okay, we both happened to be in Chicago, and we went to just like a club, which was stupid. Uh, 
but then yeah you just can't like you can't like we're too old to dance i think mm-hmm. like I, I'm, I'm old enough to like go to carols and dance that's fun as hell but like to go to a club and be like what we're doing tonight is dancing like that the no part of that is fun for me anymore and so then to just like go there and kind of like a- attempt to push ourselves back into youth and then not be able to connect because the music's so loud it just felt insane i was just like what are Felt like I was in a play. I didn't know what was going on. <laughs> and it's just one other person. It was like a group of four of us. Oh, but, okay. I, but I think okay. I think in the hell version, there's one other person. Okay. Yeah. Is it is it someone from your past, or is there another um, type of acquaintanceship that you can think of that would be more hellish? Hmm. I think somebody who like went to the neos once. And came up to the club and was like, "Were you in the neos?" And I was like, "Yeah." And then like we have a conversation about it, and then we're just stuck there. Okay, I think that's it. And I think and that's it. Can I make suggestions now? Oh yeah, for sure. Okay, they they know <laughs> they know some of the plays, but not yeah. by title, only by yeah. very vague descriptions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they keep so. And once you're able to finally identify which play they're talking about. Mm-hmm. They say how much they love it, and it's n- it's never one of yours. Absolutely not. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I think y- you hit the nail on the head. Yeah, okay. I'm just continuing to like identify everyone else's plays, but yes. accepting that. Yeah, I think I'm the whole time just being like, yeah, that was me. Yeah. <laughs> oh, you're <laughs> trying to get you're out lying. of the conversation. I'm just saying like, yeah, that was me, but it just doesn't end. Like they keep right. knowing plays that are mine. Wow, <laughs> we found hell. Great. <laughs> That's the show. Thanks for listening. Thank you, Kat, for doing the show. This was so fun. I, I had a blast. I hope you did too. I'm talking to you, the listener, now. Although I guess I'm, I'm talking to Kat as well. If you know a friend who would love the show, tell them about it. This show is not for everyone, but it's very much for some people, and I'm trying to catch all those people. Follow, support Kat at the links in the show notes. Go see The Infinite Wrench if you're in Chicago or ever end up in Chicago. It's it's the fucking best. It's one of life's best things. Go to patreon.com slash Dave Marr for more from the This Is Your Afterlife audio universe. And until next week, remember, you are a mist. Human beings, they do miracles.